0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Good Music Podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. And thank you so much for joining in. As always, um, it has been a very, very interesting week. I uh, just finished moving out to uh, Broken Arrow in the Tulsa area, and that has taken like all of my focus and energy. Mm-hmm. Which is really, which I'm really glad that I did a lot of this work beforehand. I usually research all of these topics like about three weeks before we actually record them. Wow! So like right, right, like this week, right now, I'm right. I'm thinking to not next recording session, but the recording session after, and we're recording two episodes next week. So I'm really three episodes ahead right now. Right? In my research. Yeah. Which I'm not gonna tell you what you guys what it is because I want you guys to uh, to check in and have this <laughs> yes yeah. hanging in the air. Mm. But it's definitely a uh, kind of a new area we'll be looking at. Yep. Um, but I've been, uh, I've gotten to listen to a lot of music while I've been moving, and it's been really great. I've been uh, listening to a lot of the band that we're going to be talking about next week, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of going back and rediscovering some stuff I haven't listened to in mm-hmm.
1: a long time, which has been really fun. Yep. I can imagine I probably will as well. But, um, yeah. Um, so not much to talk about because we kind of just recorded our last yeah. episode yeah we're uh, uh two hours ago yeah
0: so this, uh, <laughs> this is the um the result of a a two hour or two episode recording session i like to uh to stay ahead because i'm going to be having another baby in a couple weeks and so wow. i've got i've got to have Look at that i know number two and the last one as well um and I just I know I'm going to probably be busy with that for a week or two, and so we're uh, we're kind of recor- recording in bulk right now. Yep. So uh, pardon me if I'm not up to date with what is going to be uh, the news topics of the week. Right. The main thing that I'm looking forward to right now is we're sure to find out soon what the um, results are of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Which by the time uh, that uh, you're. No, I don't
1: even keep up with that. <laughs> if, by the
0: time you guys are listening to this, I'm sure they will have already announced the inductees. Mm-hmm. So um, just know that this was recorded way in yeah. advance of when you're listening to it. So I still don't know who's been inducted, but this is something that I heavily follow every year. I'm okay. very involved with it. It's something I'm very fascinated with. They've got a lot of great artists up this year. Like. So you know what the uh, the stipulation is for being in, uh, I nominated.
1: I do not, because I don't really care.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, you can't be nominated unless it's been 25 years since your first significant recording. So, like, garage demos don't count. It has okay. to be released, like, on some kind of label. Or mm-hmm. had to have had, like, you know, if it was independently released, that it needed to have, like, been a substantial piece of work. And so... Um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is such a weird beast because they nominate and induct the strangest people and they leave out some of the biggest names. Yeah. Like, I'm going to tell you some of the names that are up for nomination right now and you're going to be shocked that they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall
1: mm-hmm, of Fame yet. Probably.
0: In fact, a lot of these bands, this is the first time they've ever even been nominated. Okay. So there's, like, there's like 15 or 16 nominations. They usually induct somewhere between 5 and 7. Mm-hmm. <coughs> it's not a specific amount that they induct but right um, doobie brothers okay. Uh, okay Pat Benatar okay well, that's a, that's an old name
1: both of those are old yeah uh, so let's oh. see
0: t-rex what <laughs> I know they haven't been inducted yet or are you saying what because you don't know who I they? don't know who they are <laughs> <laughs> they invented glam rock like, Mark Bolin was the genesis point of glam rock oh, without wow. Mark
1: Bolin. I been, thought Twisted Sister invented glam rock.
0: No, they, <laughs> that was the, the second iteration of glam rock. The okay. original glam, glam rock is early 70s, David Bowie, Elton John. Oh, Queen. yeah. That was the first wave of it, but it, okay. all, it all started with T-Rex. They were the first ones to kind of solidify and then that. Then that's and another that really sound. old name. Um, MC5, who in the 60s, they were like the first punk band. They started the punk movement. Them and the Stooges, and the Stooges are already in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, now I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you some names you're not gonna be too happy about that aren't in yet. Okay. Soundgarden.
1: Why would I not be happy about no,
0: that? Well, you sound you seem like a Soundgarden
1: person. What? Are you not
0: a Soundgarden? I'm fan? not
1: big into Soundgarden, but I mean, the, of the songs that I've heard, I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good grunge. Okay. Yeah. Judas Priest. Yes, I've heard they are. Uh, nom- Were they nominated last year? No, the year before. Okay, and they and they didn't make it. Nope. Whoa. This, there's only a I just assumed they'd make it because I was like, well, duh, they should be in. Nope. Like,
0: Motorhead's another one that's been nominated. And oh this is, my this gosh! Is, this is the first year they've ever been nominated. Oh my gosh!
1: Because I remember in um, in Metallica's uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame speech, you know, James Hetfield was listing a bunch of artists to like. Put in the seeds of it or mm-hmm. seed everyone's brains and Motorhead was one of them, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I know. Oh, yeah. I know Rush was another one, mm-hmm. which they're in. Right? Yeah, they're in. They're they in. they okay. got in like 2013 15, or 13? 14, okay. somewhere
0: around yeah. there. Thin uh, Lizzy, mm. yeah, they they they, mm, they, okay. they they need to be
1: in. Okay. They were yeah, so, they do.
0: They, so influential.
1: Yeah, so influential. I had to think about it for a second, but yeah.
0: Um, Nine Inch Nails was nominated, which, again, so influential. They, they,
1: I've never heard any Nine Inch Nails.
0: Styles. Oh, well, we'll do an episode on them, because I love okay. Nine Inch Nails. Okay. Um, Depeche Mode. Never heard of them. Kraftwerk.
1: That's another one that I've never heard
0: Kraftwerk of. <laughs> I kind of didn't start listening to it until the end of last year, and I've really started to dig it. It's German, 70s German electronic music. Which sounds really dumb. That's that's a niche. But <laughs> but pretty much they're kind of credited with starting electronic music. Okay. Um, like kind of the, the argument is that without Kraftwerk, there would have been no Daft Punk. Wow. So it's kind of they're the they're the genesis of that movement. Okay. Um, and then there's some others that I'm just like, uh, like Dave Matthews Band. I really
1: don't like. Really? This.
0: I don't like Dave Matthews.
1: You don't? Oh my gosh! Because um. My dad was watching him on Austin City Limits. Um, They've got a great drummer. A while ago. And I was like, there are so many... No, it wasn't Dave Matthews. It was Steve Miller.
0: Oh, oh Steve Miller's
1: great. Why am I mixing up those two? Wow. Anyway, Steve Miller is one of those he artists. Got in, that... He got
0: in like four years yeah. ago.
1: I'm surprised how many songs of his that I know that I didn't know mm-hmm. were
0: his. He's, he's, he's one of those artists, mm-hmm. yeah. Um... And then just really stupid ones like the Notorious B.I.G. What? And Whitney, <laughs> Why would he get in? And Whitney Houston.
1: What? No. And
0: uh, Shaka Khan. Rock
1: and Roll Hall of Fame. Guys. It's it's not the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame anymore. It's the Music Hall of Fame. It's the Music Hall of Fame. The hall. Well, then call it the
0: Music Hall of Fame. No, yeah. then they'll, they'll lose that name recognition. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> yeah, but they, there's still so many Rock and Roll artists that, like, come on. Judas Priest and Motorhead. Yeah, Judas, Judas
1: Priest and Motorhead. And honestly, there's a definition. Yeah, you know of well Motorhead for sure. Motorhead and for the sure. thing
0: that stinks about Motorhead is that they're all dead. Yep. The three founding members, the three classic era members, all gone. Yep. Yep. So, but this is a really really. Great set of nominees It's one of the best I've ever seen
1: Okay And so I mean considering They do have Motorhead and Judas Priest Yeah You know They
0: yeah. pretty And I love Soundgarden I can't believe That they're not in yet Yeah Like they're one of the Important grunge bands
1: Right Well yeah. but I mean like When did they come around You know They were the first ones Like what year Was their first 88 88 Okay so So they could have been Nominated in 2013 Yep
0: and, and this was the this first time – And this is 2020. This is the first time they've been nominated. And I thought for sure they would put them in when Chris Cornell died. But mm. they didn't. But I think they're going to get in this first year. Okay. I I think that once you put them in the running that they're going to take it.
1: Yeah.
0: My, my guess is, is that if I had to pick six, mm-hmm. I would pick – Pat Benatar is going to get in. Yep. Um. I think that Soundgarden's gonna get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that well, this is where it gets hard. I think the Doobie Brothers will get in. Yeah, but even uh, though well, it was,
1: I don't know if I would, I wouldn't put money on it. But I would say better. I think they'll get I'm kinda think in. They'll, they'll get I'm kind of going
0: in the. I'm going in the order of what I think is the most likely to happen. Yeah. So, like, I would say that Pat, Pat Benatar is the most sure one. Because right. they're gonna, that's gonna be the female representation in the, yeah. in the group, yeah. and plus also she's such a legendary performer. Yeah. Uh, I think Soundgarden mm-hmm. is the next logical one, and then I think Dewey Brothers. After that, I would put probably Depeche Mode. Just <laughs> they are they are an eighties slash nineties synth band, but okay. they they uh, kind of skiered more towards the gothic dark side. Of synth, uh, and they were very uh, critically well-received because of that. And okay. and they've, in, they've influenced, like, most people in the alt-rock scene. Okay. Um, after that, I would probably put... Um, i probably put Whitney Houston. I think that just yeah. invoking her name, it's like you have to put her in there. Yeah. And then... Uh, I have to pick between Motorhead and Judas Priest, and it's something I don't want to do because Just both of, both, of them. both of them won't get it. Though no. <sighs> there's only two metal bands in the Hall of Fame right now, Whoa. and that's Metallica and Black Sabbath. Mm. They hate heavy metal in the Rock Hall, so only one of them is going to get it. Even if it might be both of them get shut out.
1: If it's, uh, mm. I think it would be Judas Priest. So, if, so what what are the rules to get nominated and to get it?
0: There's just there's a list of, academy members that,
1: just. Uh, there's just a bunch of people who just choose.
0: Yeah, they they okay. vote on ballots, and then there's there's the fan vote, but that's like one vote out of several hundred, so wow. it ends up not really making that much of a difference. But typically, whoever wins the fan vote tends to get in. Okay. But but right now, Dave Matthews is winning the fan vote, and it
1: infuriates me. Oh man, okay.
0: But I don't know. I don't think that that means that they're going to get in, because that's such a weird Mm -hmm. thing for... Because Pat Benatar was winning for most of it, and then all of a sudden Dave Matthews just kind of pulled ahead. Mm -hmm. But we'll see. Uh, I mean, I'm sure, listeners, as you're listening, that we already know what it is, and I'll talk about it on another episode.
1: Hopefully it's good.
0: Hopefully. (laughs) I think that it's impossible for me to not be excited by several. Mm, okay. Because there's way more that I Hopefully really want it's, to it's get Hopefully it's good in.
1: in the fact that we double the amount of metal bands in the whole thing.
0: That would be incredible. I I really doubt it'll happen, but...
1: <laughs> it, it ain't it, gonna happen, but we can still cross our fingers and toes. And, yeah.
0: One um, of them getting in would make me the happiest man on earth. Oh, it or at least there. the happiest man in Oklahoma. Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll see what happens. So... Let's talk about a band that has been in the Hall of Fame for quite some time now. Yes, U2. 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 That little band from Ireland that could.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't know they were from Ireland. I I just assumed they were British. They sounded British. They're Irish.
0: Biggest Irish band of all
1: time. British Isles area. Yeah, I mean, mean.
0: close enough. Close enough. Sorry, sorry, Irish listeners. I don't know if you like being that closely (laughs) (laughs) associated with
1: the UK, but... I mean, you play American geography, you know, education isn't that great as far as the British Isles. Anyway. all oh,
0: mine is, but I because um, I paid attention. <laughs> and I also love geography. So. Well, I,
1: I just played Bloom's Tower Defense during history class. Mm. Um, that's beside the point. Um, what's not beside the point is how I felt about YouTube 2 before these songs. I was very, the biggest word that could be could describe my opinion of them was indifferent you know I had a lot of people who I knew who loved U2 I had a lot of people who I knew who I hated U2 particularly my dad um, <laughs> he, he just after after listening to the songs you know I, I walk over to him like so I listened all the U2 songs he goes don't they all just sound the same you know and I'm like hmm kind of but there's a little bit of a formula to it and yeah.
0: I mean you could also say that every AC/DC song sounds the same. Yeah,
1: you could. You could. But but when it's something so different like you use that kind of gimmick of the delay guitar. I don't think it's a gimmick. I think it's it a is. signature sound. It's it's a it's a gimmick if somebody else did it first.
0: No, I mean, I Eddie don't think so. did it so. first.
1: And 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 he you not... made the comment that he that the Edge perfected it and Eddie and he popularized it. Eddie does that a lot, and he did perfect it with songs like Cathedral, and if you watch him do Eruption Live, he'll do a lot of delay stuff, and it'll sound really awesome.
0: Well, the person that did it before Eddie Van Halen was Brian May of Queen. Well, yeah. That was the that was the centerpiece of his entire live guitar solo. Of, of um, Brighton Rock.
1: Yeah, right. exactly. The middle of Brighton Rock was just like that, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I mean, no one really? used it to more, it's more... To its potency more than the Edge did, and once he did it, then everyone started doing it. That's true. He he made it cool and made it in style at the time. And
1: and it's so in style that listening to you two now starts sounding like church worship music. Oh,
0: yeah. You know what I mean? The ironic thing is that the biggest influence U2 had was on creating the modern worship <laughs> yeah. music landscape.
1: Because every worship guitarist has got his, you know, kickback and delay pedal. Yep. But, um...
0: Um, and...
1: It's uh, a cool sound. No funny, denying that. It was funny,
0: my, um... Uh, our now lead pastor, when he was just the creative director, um, said that he went to a U2 concert and thought to himself, our worship services have to be like this.
1: They probably already are.
0: Well, no, this was before they made the change. Oh, really? And then, okay. they, and then they started changing towards that. This was like at the turn of the millennium.
1: Turn of the millennium. Wow.
0: And, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, every modern worship group mm-hmm. sounds like, or at least the ones specifically in the mid 2000s to the early 2010s and then they kind of mm-hmm. started to veer a little more away from it but like everyone sounded like you too. Mm-hmm. And which I mean made me really like that era of worship music. Mm-hmm. I really, yeah. really kind of hate where worship music has gone now. It's really boring and boring. dry yeah, and yeah. just lacking any kind of musical creativity. We've we've now reverted to the the four pop chords over and over again.
1: Yep. Mhm.
0: And a lot of songs that literally just have one progression that repeats over and over again, where you look at a lot of worship songs coming out back then, and they were fairly complex and having a lot of musical um, uh, goodness, just a lot of um, a lot of well composed sections. Yes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's that's a conversation for a whole other episode. But. Right. <laughs> I have found that U2, more than probably any band I've ever seen, has, everyone is in either one extreme. They either love U2, or they yep. hate U2. And there I've, really is not yeah. much of a middle ground.
1: I am certainly an outlier in that. Because mm-hmm. I, same same thing. E- either, either one of those two, or they just don't know the band. Mm-hmm. You know? And maybe part of it is because of the same old thing of like the same reason why a lot of people don't like Journey is because their friend doesn't like Journey you know and I think it's
0: become very popular to hate on you although I don't mm-hmm. feel like that that's as much the case anymore because mm-hmm. a lot of younger people are not listening to you <laughs> um, well yeah I mean kind of but I totally I'm not one of those people just like I just don't get why I don't like you I get it I understand they are They're cheesy as heck. They are. But that's also – But that's why it works. Yeah. That's why I like them so much. They're Mm -hmm. cheesy, but man, is that cheese heaped upon incredible songwriting.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's, it's kind of like campy acting. Yeah. It works.
0: And I think a lot of people also are not a fan of Bono. Of him as a person. Of his, yeah,
1: I have heard that, and I don't know anything about that other than he's like some environmentalist or something. Yeah,
0: he's he's done a lot of charity work. Okay. Um, a lot of people think he does all of it just to um, show off how good he is. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's the case. I think that he's legitimately trying to do good. Yeah. But, you know, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. And so, I'm. the thing is, I do get it. I do understand. But it's those things that people don't like that make me like them. And U2 was one of the first bands I ever really attached myself to, kind of when I was first discovering music. They were mm. kind of one of the early bands that I really was just like, oh man, I like this band. So there is definitely some personal connection to them. Uh-huh um but one of the amazing things about them is that they have not never had a lineup change. It's been the same four guys the the entire time.
1: I mean with names like Bono and The Edge, you kind of Yeah.
0: To. Those are the two that everyone thinks about. Yeah, and
1: I don't know the names of the other two guys.
0: You've got Larry Mullen Jr. on drums. Okay. And uh Adam Clayton on bass. Adam um. And they've all known each other since school. And wow. Just,
1: like, have That is actually kind of cool. ...have
0: literally been brothers this whole journey. Wow. And, yeah, just, you know, a lot of people don't like Bono's singing voice. It is definitely a different-sounding voice.
1: It sounds kind of like uh, uh, Brandon Flowers, actually.
0: Yeah. He's someone that his technique is not
1: the best, Mm-hmm. But and, i can I can tell there's and, a little bit of strain,
0: but I think that he intentionally does that it's part of mm-hmm. who he is as a singer and he uses that as an, to his advantage to convey the emotion of what he's singing he picks the emotion over whether or not his voice can handle it or not and I think that that's I a, think
1: that's a good trade-off
0: yeah because like you know in this, you really see this when he sings live
1: mm-hmm.
0: He does not care at all if he goes for a note that he cannot reach and Mm -hmm. he'll keep going for it he's not someone that's just like oop oop or he'll like he embraces it and he like goes for it even harder because he's just in the moment of the song he's wrapped up in it he's wrapped up in what he's singing Mm -hmm. and I think that that makes him a very unique vocalist compared to other singers it's like his his flaws make him more human. That he's not just like this wow. perfect singer. <laughs> and some people can't get over that. But yeah. that's what I see in it. I think that he's just a... He's a tremendous vocalist in his own weird, flawed way.
1: And we all get a lesson in self-acceptance.
0: Yep. <laughs> like, he's completely accepted his voice. Mm-hmm. And this is not like... I can tell he doesn't like train to like. Oh, I was just I want to hit the higher notes better. He hits them the way he wants to hit them, because right. in the end, it's about if if me trying and failing to hit that notes uh, makes the song more powerful, then leave it in.
1: Mm-hmm. I noticed that there were a couple in the songs that we listened to. There were a couple notes that were like, you know, I would have probably if I were recording this, song, I would have re-recorded that little snippet mm-hmm. because that note was slightly off. But yeah. That makes sense now.
0: Yeah, that's that's totally all on purpose. Okay. And um, also, when you talk about U2, you've got to talk about how they um, really just revolutionized live playing.
1: Okay, then let's talk about it. Because I haven't seen them live. Oh, but, um, God.
0: I haven't seen them live in person, but I've seen several uh, videos, videos. And I'm in fact, sure, one yeah. time... They were playing a U2 concert in IMAX Theater. And I went with my dad to that. Oh, wow. That was like... That was a kick in the pants. That was amazing.
1: I can imagine. Wow.
0: And just the... Um, they really figured out how to bring arena rock out of the 80s and figure out what it means in the 90s and beyond. Just with hmm. um, kind of really bringing the, the visual aspect of the video screens and the uh, interesting stage layouts. Mm-hmm. And Bono in of himself as a front man, the way he communicated with his audience, like one of their most legendary performances. And really the performance that, that primed them to be big was when they were at Live Aid. You know about what Live Aid yeah, is?
1: Yeah, um, I remember that.
0: Live eight is most known for yeah, Queen and for Queen. what they did. But right. I do want to tell the a little backstory on – I think that the reason Queen was so successful in their show was because U2 went before them. Wow! They got really lucky having U2 before them because U2, had Queen not done what they did, they would have had the show of – the set of the show. They would mm-hmm. have been the one that everyone would have talked about mm-hmm. because – they were up and coming up at that point. Like uh, the Unforgettable Fire, which was their fourth album, had just come out, and that's the one that's got uh, Pride in the Name of Love on it. Oh yeah! Right before they hit mega level with Joshua Tree,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, they did a one of their songs called Bad. And at Live Aid, they only had like twenty five minutes to play, mm-hmm. and so they were scheduled to play several songs. More songs, but they ended up doing a 15-minute version of "Bad," Mm. and part of it was Bono getting down off of the stage, finding a random girl in the audience, and slow dancing with her during the song.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is a that's a very vocalist thing to do. That's something Jared Jared would do. Yeah, Yeah. but (laughs) like for
0: him, it was like you watch it, and it's not him like being showy. Like, when he was dancing with her, you could tell that there was, like, this genuine, like, intimacy. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like he wasn't, like, he, like, literally was just, like, holding her. Like, he had his eyes closed. And he was, it was almost just like he was letting that moment be just between them two. And giving her, like, this special moment. It wasn't Crazy. like this, you know, hey, let's let's dance. Like, it was, like, and everyone was, just, like, loved that. Wow. And so, you know, that was the that was the relationship Bono had with his audience. Mm-hmm. Um, just really being able to zero in on whoever was in the crowd and make it just between them.
1: That's a skill. <laughs> that
0: and, is a skill. And then just you know, the way that they the way that they sounded live was just incredible. The uh, the 360 tour until quite recently was the. Was the highest-grossing tour in music history?
1: What just beat it?
0: Uh, Ed Sheeran, I think. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> Darn. Yeah. But for like almost fifteen years, that was an unbroken record. Wow. Well, maybe ten, because I think that tour was in '08. But that was a that was a monstrous tour. Wow. And it was one that I. Almost went to and didn't get to go to, and I'm really sad that I missed it because I heard that that was an incredible show.
1: Because they even, weren't
0: because they weren't touring for an album; they were just like, let's just go out and play all our hits.
1: Wow, that would be that'd be a really cool tour to see, though, because mm-hmm. then you're not like listening to all the B sides of you know the album they're trying to promote. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah,
0: yeah, and wow. really. I would say that the alternative rock movement began with them.
1: Yes, I would agree with that. they were mm-hmm. so
0: different from what ev- everything else that was going on in the 80s. Like when Joshua Tree came out in 87, which is where um, you had like Streets Have No Name and With or Without mm-hmm. You and mm-hmm. Still I'm Looking For, Bowl in the Blue Sky. Just mm-hmm. That was so alien to everything else that was going on it in the It sounds kind of 80s
1: though. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: it's a, but not in the way that other things sound like the 80s. To, at least to me.
1: It, it doesn't have kind of like the synthy, like mm-hmm. reverby drums. It doesn't sound way. dated. No, it doesn't. It it sounds like it w- could have been recorded 10 years ago.
0: Yeah. Again, it sounds like something that Hillsong might have made.
1: Yeah. Wow. Full circle, everybody. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs>
0: you know, you just you listen to it and you don't go, oh man, that just that sounds like it was made a long time ago. Right. Like, just the the sounds that the edge was able to pull out of his guitar mm-hmm. and um, and the drumming and the bass playing is just it was all so different and you know that's why it was called alternative rock it was an alternative version of rock mm-hmm. from what was going on at the time which at that time that was when hair metal was at its absolute peak you had guns and roses coming in oh yeah. Um, you were at the height of like the cheese ball '80s synth pop.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, that's a nice way of saying it. Or
0: you know, this was this was this it. was the um, this was the height of Def Leppard, and you know those kinds of bands right. that just you know you listen to it and you're just like, wow, that is just completely the '80s in every yeah. way. And it was like Joshua Tree came out. And was just this monumental, just shift of where music was about to go in the
1: '90s. Joshua Tree being '89, '87, '87. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that was the that was the they fifth. they're as old as GNR. Yep. No, they're way older. Their first album came out in '80.
0: Oh. Joshua Tree was the fifth record. Oh my gosh.
1: Wow, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to wrap my mind around this because I always pictured them as being a recent band.
0: Nope, but that's the thing. They have had more longevity than most bands. Like, they were still releasing relevant music into the mid-2000s. They're they're
1: older than – you're wearing a Metallica t-shirt. They're older than Metallica. Yep,
0: Exactly. Uh, I'll give you a, kind of a brief run through. So 80 was the first one with Boy. Right. Okay. Uh, the second album, I can't remember the name of it because it sucked. <laughs> but then they rebounded with War, mm-hmm. which is where um, they kind of really started to gain momentum. They started getting radio play. Unforgettable Fire was after that. Okay. Um, then Joshua Tree was the big In 87, um, right. Big thing. And then they actually had a big misstep after that in oh. 89 with Rattle and Hum.
1: Which right. had- goes back to the last episode you know your your greatest masterpieces the (coughs) worst the best and the worst thing
0: but then the rebound from that 91's octung baby that's probably their greatest achievement because they completely redefined themselves and that came out in 91 and that just completely blew the doors open and like because really 1990 is still a Musically, in the eighties, nineteen ninety was like the last hurrah right. for the hair mm-hmm. metal bands and the synth. And it wasn't until ninety one when Metallica's Black album, right, and that a was a big change.
1: Hit. And um, all the grunge. And, and I would yeah. say
0: for alternative rock, U 2s Octung Baby was like the bi- was like the big boom of just like okay, we this is this is full on alternative, right here. That album is a masterpiece. I think it's better than Joshua Tree. Okay.
1: And, I mean, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> yeah, and so
0: that just, that completely set them up. They would have broken up had octum Baby not worked. And so they did Zuropa after that, and then they made another really bad album in the late 90s with Pop. Mm. But then another rebound in 2000 with All That You Can't Leave Behind, which ended up
1: Signaling what—that's quite the name. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Yes, but that we need was to talk about names, that so. album set the template. What alternative rock was going to sound like in the 2000s? Mm-hmm. Like they became the leaders of the movement for a third time. Crazy. And then, in my opinion, the the last great album they made was "How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb" in oh four oh
1: five. Disband atomic bomb. Wow.
0: A lot of their. Um, a lot of their album titles come from lyrics and some of their songs.
1: Okay. <laughs> that's got to be a weird song.
0: Well, that's not the name of the song. It's well, just the Yeah, lyric.
1: but a lyric with that.
0: Mm-hmm. Anyway. In um, fact, the song that that title came from is not even on the album. It was a bonus track that you get if
1: you got the expanded edition. Wow. Big U2 lore. Oh, yeah. So, speaking of U2 lore the name U2. Mm-hmm. Origin Story. So U2. <laughs> mm. Because it's 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 something like you say, you know, when you're when you're mm-hmm. saying goodbye to somebody, it's like, hey, hope you have a good weekend. U2. You you yeah. Know? I'm, I'm, and then there's always the pun of. Like, I
0: used to know this story, and it's blanking on me now. I'm I'm really sorry, listening audience, for failing you in such a monumental oh no, way. No, no, no. I, I really did read about this, and it's just escaping my mind at the time. They were all like in a, or most of them were in a previous band, and mm-hmm. uh, I just I can't remember. But I know it was they took the name in the late seventies.
1: Okay.
0: Um. I'll have to I'll have to come back to that. But it's also this is the last band that I spent a long time that a long time ago. I researched so some of these details are escaping me. Okay. Whenever whenever we record the next one, a lot of this stuff's gonna be a ton more fresh.
1: Okay.
0: This, this I researched all this pre Christmas.
1: Wow. Yeah, and and it's January the eighth, so.
0: Yeah. So that should that should show you something.
1: But um, yeah, and then of course I have to ask. The Edge and Bono, mm-hmm. where their names came from, and what their real names are, too. So, I
0: can't remember what The Edge's real name is, and Bono's is on the tip of my tongue. It's like, um... Sunny Bono. No. <laughs> it's, um... Oh, boy. Thu, it's like, uh, Desmond Thulis or something. Wow. I gotta I'll have to look it up. I'll look it up in between. I'll say it at the beginning of the uh, of the next section. Of the next section. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean everyone knows him as Bono, everyone knows him as The Edge. Right. Have you ever watched the uh, the movie I might get loud? No. That's something that you should watch. Okay. It's a documentary um, of three legendary guitarists from three different generations getting together. And just talking about guitar and geeking out about
1: ten And Edge is one of them.
0: Edge is one of them. Jack White's another one.
1: Jack White from? White Stripes. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> and Jimmy Page. There you go. Okay. <laughs> now we're talking. Now we're talking. Yeah. Which... Because no, Jimmy Page, I guess, would be kind of the the edge of his movement. You yeah. Know, where he, he kind of defined... Um, what rock would be in the 70s
0: yeah and i and know the you 60s really i know you scoffed at the name of uh the white stripes the white stripes and jack white but jack white is a brilliant guitar player absolutely brilliant
1: well okay The white
0: stripes is not the best vehicle. everyone
1: has their own opinions but he you does a, he have a side project there he's got go. several Okay, there we go.
0: He's got a solo career, and he's also with a band called The Rack and Tears, who actually just released their first album in a long time this year.
1: Okay. Um,
0: I would look at his solo work as okay. evidence of his guitar genius, because he is great.
1: Then there you go. So,
0: and yeah. also, I will say that a lot of my appreciation for him came from after watching It Might Get Loud, because the opening scene of that uh, movie mm-hmm. is him creating his own guitar on his front porch with, like... Oh, yeah. With, like, leftover pieces of different things, like, like jerry-rigging it. That is... And just, like, you're watching him, and you're just like, what the heck is he doing? And he makes the weirdest-looking guitar and just, like, starts playing it, and you're just like, that sounds great. Yeah. (laughs) He just starts wailing on it.
1: Yeah, yeah. One of of my friends who is in a band that he used to sing in our band, and uh, he would just make, like, Three string guitars out of random stuff too, so it's mm-hmm. like, and knowing what it was before, it's like, how did I not think? Oh, you could just turn that into the body of the guitar. Yeah, he he turned it into an electric guitar. That's you, the, just, you just stick a pickup in it though. Yeah, yeah. no big deal. But, Same as so no it, was, uh, it, it was it was it's
0: a guitar. really great scene to kind of sh- set the mood for the movie. So you need you need to watch it. Okay. I think you'll really like it because it's okay. it's specifically guitar nerdiness the
1: whole way through. Okay. I, I guitar nerd out a lot. Yeah. So, um, anyway, back to you two. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember where we were. Oh, we were talking about the origin stories of their names and stuff.
0: Yeah. There's also um, a there's a there's a movie that I've been meaning to watch called, um, Becoming Bono or Killing Bono.
1: Killing about, Bono. Wow.
0: Well, there's there's a, there's, I think it's it's about Bono and his brother about how his brother wanted originally to be the big star Mm -hmm. and his brother became it instead.
1: And Mm. the
0: thing that always stuck with me um, about the movie was that the tagline was um, he wanted to be the biggest rock star on the planet, but his brother had the edge.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Puns. Yeah, wow. I remember thinking I was just like, "That's pretty good.
0: That's that's pretty good."
1: That, yeah. Wow.
0: Okay. So that's that's one that I I've, I've been meaning to watch because I feel that'll be very informative. So mm-hmm. again, I was kind of off of my research schedule over the holidays, but now I'm I'm back in right. I'm back in full force here. So I, my apologies if the facts are not completely lined up this episode. Right. But. Well. We'll go ahead and take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the uh, magnificent songs that we are going to discuss. So
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC. Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We were just talking about U2. And um, Lucas blanked on the names of The Edge and Bono, and he had to grab his phone and look them up. Apparently, Bono. I I just blanked. Paul. Paul Houston. Paul David Houston. Paul David Hewson. and then we had David Evans. David so Evans is the edge. Yep. So yeah,
0: uh, very unremarkable names. <laughs> yeah. I guess. I guess Adam Clayton and Larry Mullen Jr. Just decided the they're. I mean, Larry Mullen yeah. Jr. That's that's a pretty
1: cool name. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Like, well, Adam, okay. A last name like Clayton. hmm Is actually kind of cool. Yeah. I mean. So. Clayton Clayton was the uh, villain in Tarzan.
0: Yes, one. he was.
1: <laughs> um, which is, has a whole Phil Collins thing about it. But um, anyway, so I guess we should start talking about the songs.
0: Yes. Uh, so, the first
1: song, which you watched me listen to these for the first time. Yes. Because um, we, af- after we recorded the episode on The Killers, we went into my parents' garage and turned up the stereo. Not too loud, because, you know, we don't want to be deaf. It was pretty loud. It was not too loud. but It was was glorious. First song was Where the Streets Have No Name, which you mentioned earlier, briefly. And when it started, it had kind of like that Hammond organ thing, and it kind of faded in. I was like, oh, wow, this is actually really cool. I might actually like you too. And I know you know where this is going, because I just gave it away, but... um, it faded in, it was really cool, and then the guitar comes in, it's got the cool delay bounce, and you got the kick drum that's like, you know? And the whole time the song was going on, you know, it started great. Great, awesome, built up, got to the, kind of, whatever the chorus was supposed to be, and then halfway through the song, I realized, like, I'm still waiting for the song to actually start. And I don't know why I was thinking that, because I listened to it again, and then I'm like, oh, this is, you know, this is the structure of the song. The song starts right here. Um, But it seemed like the entire song was a build-up, and it was kind of disappointing, because there was no release. I don't
0: know. I don't know. I I feel like I disagree with that. I feel like the release comes... uh... At least for me, the emotional release comes when he starts singing. Because that whole... And that's what that, I felt. That intro yeah. is just like, it's pushing you towards mm-hmm. that, I mean, the organ and then mm-hmm. uh, that, when that guitar line comes yep. in, you're just like, oh crap, this is gonna be good. And yeah. then you're, the yeah. bass comes in and he comes in with the toms and... But yeah, the thing is, is that this song is very... The song so- is created in a very different way than a lot of other songs are. Mm-hmm. I feel like that this is this is a truly unique sounding song. At least it was for the time until a lot of people started copying it. And it has
1: really good chord chemistry for sure. Oh, I mean, the way the yeah. chords are constructed is so magnificent, and it's like you mm-hmm. can't, you just can't try to copy it. Yeah, but
0: but yeah, I think that just the the emotion is so powerful mm-hmm. in this song when he's. You know, belting out that chorus, that's just that just hits you in the gut.
1: Yeah, that's and
0: true. I think that it was it was written in a way to not meant to be to have like the big release in the way that you think it would. Mm-hmm. Because again, this was the fir- this is the first song on the Joshua Tree record. The album okay. starts with this song.
1: That's a good start, yeah.
0: <laughs> and where it goes from there. Um is that it continues this emotional setting, kind of cu- culminating with With or Without You? That's kind of like, so there's like a trilogy of songs. It's Rose Streets mm-hmm. Street, Have No Name, then in the middle is the very uh, despondent and um, mournful I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. I've heard of that one, yeah. And then going into With or Without You, which is like kind of the uh, the culmination of those three songs leading into each other. And then kind of the the album gets a little more standard after that.
1: So I've got to ask the meaning of this song because it's got a weird title. Mm -hmm. So Where the Streets Have No Name.
0: Where do you think the streets have no name?
1: Um... No idea.
0: So there's 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 kind of there's kind of two meanings to mm-hmm. it. There's one that's literal for what they're saying in the song, and then there's it's a metaphor for something else. Okay. So pretty much the whole theme, kind of of the album, is the desert, the wasteland, the wilderness. Okay. Because that's the Joshua tree is a real place. There's an actual tree in the uh, I want to say it's in the Nevada desert called the joshua tree it's like a, uh that's the joshua tree national park uh. and that's where the the album cover was shot and um so like the streets have he though he talks through the whole song about the desert and the dust clouds and mm-hmm. um you know beaten and blown by the wind that's true yeah and so it's just you know the streets have no those. name would just be the dirt roads of the wilderness just kind of right. talking about mm-hmm. you know about how the um you know, you don't know where you're going Where when the streets mm-hmm. have no name. You have no direction of where it is that you can go. You're just wandering, mm-hmm. hoping that you find your way. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bono is a very spiritual man. And so I also believe that the streets have no name is talking about the streets in heaven.
1: I, f- I figured there was probably that, but I didn't have mm-hmm. enough lyrical evidence to kind of.
0: Pretty Got much just that. talking about those are the streets that I want to be on. When mm-hmm. I go there, I'll go there with you. Just mm. kind of, it's kind of the song is his 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 dialogue with God mm-hmm. and talking about how he's in the wilderness right now on streets with no name, but he wants to be on those streets with no name. Gotcha. And saying that he just he feels that you know he's beaten down and you know kind of. Just run down in the wilderness no, Nothing around him mm-hmm. And he longs to be In the beautiful place
1: That Okay Knowing that it has a double meaning Makes me kind of appreciate it more Yeah Because I do like that when lyrics kind of mm-hmm. do uh-huh. Stuff like that
0: I, I really like Bono as a lyricist Sometimes he writes some clunker lyrics Because <laughs> that's the thing though clunker. He's, he's He is a swing-for-the-fences lyricist. Okay. So he's someone that will risk it all for a risky lyric that will either really pay off or it'll really fall flat.
1: And I noticed that in some of the other songs. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. None of them, I, I should say, fell flat.
0: Yeah. Ben well it's because it. I didn't pick any of the ones that well, have fall This is lyrics. the good
1: music podcast. Yeah. Um and yet yeah, here we are discussing you two. But uh, No. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, anyway. Um so next song, which actually is a really good example of what we were just talking about, Sunday, Bloody Sunday.
0: Yeah, so we so we have this big emotional hype up.
1: Right. With Streets Have, with no, streets name. have no Name.
0: And from that point I was just like I don't want to stay there, though. I want to kind of, like, like the the engine's been primed, mm-hmm. or the pump has been primed, and now it's kind of like, let's get down to business mm-hmm. and just come in with that iconic drum intro. One, of, I would say it's one of the most recognizable in rock and mm-hmm. roll. Okay. Well, it, it is. It's okay. one of those ones, you, you play it for a rock Maybe. and roll audience, they're going to know what Maybe. it
1: is. Okay. Not not me. I had actually not heard this song. I've heard the name of the song and I recognized the chorus line, mm-hmm. but I can't say I've ever heard the song in its entirety. Yeah. And this was one of their biggest hits. The one of the one of the lyrics actually exemplifies the whole like risky lyric thing of um we drink today and tomorrow they die or something like that mm-hmm. and I'm like whoa that's dark <laughs> like,
0: yeah it's all the song is all about <laughs>
1: wow um,
0: there's a lot of um political and religious yeah, unrest in I, Ireland mm-hmm. and so just about you know
1: I figured it was about the
0: um, the IRA and you considering know considering they are Protest, Irish the, the Protestants and Catholics hating yeah. each other and riots in the streets mm-hmm. and, and so you know that's it's just about how, you know, Ireland, you know, is, they have all this turmoil, but they also have to, like, go on as business as usual. Right. But yeah, he, he, that's definitely his writing style because he, he typically writes, he comes up with his melodies first. He, wow okay. and he even records most of the demos with none of the lyrics set yet. And huh. he, he sings like a lot of this like gawk, uh versions of songs. Like you listen to demos, and he's he's more just kind of like shouting nonsense and made up words, but like trying to use them as placeholders to figure out what melodies he wants to sing. That's
1: kind of smart. You Get a better melody than you do yeah. lyrics, but his mm-hmm. lyrics are actually really good. So yeah, so he That's he'll, a skill.
0: He'll kind of he'll he'll look listen back to them and go okay now wh- how what words can I put in to fit with this right
1: and syllables as well because you got to get the Mm -hmm. right vowel sounds to kind of exemplify what feeling you want to give the music and i've I've noticed that as i've tried to write lyrics for some of my songs is you know i'll have a great vocal melody and i'll do the same thing for some of them is i'll kind of like sing what vowel sounds i want and then the lyrics I come up with sometimes just don't have the same sounds it's really disappointing yeah but
0: people tend to be one of two ways they'll yeah. write the lyrics first kind of more like they're writing poetry and then they'll figure out how to put it to music or they'll oh, come up that's with, the
1: hardest way <laughs> or,
0: or they'll or they'll come up with the music first and then reverse engineer words to fit along with it
1: yeah I'm I'm definitely that but um, anyway so yeah. uh,
0: I think that this is uh, this is one of the harder hitting songs that they've ever wrote. It's definitely got.
1: Uh, it's got, got peppy music though. Yeah. It's got it's, the one two three four kick drum.
0: This yeah. is um, this is early U two. This is pre. This was kind of like the
1: pre proof. Joshua Tree.
0: This is pre Joshua Tree. This is even pre Live Aid, pre Unforgettable Fire. So this is off of War, which is the third album. This was wow. kind of the first song that really got them on the map. Like they had had a minor hit on the first album with "I Will Follow." Mm-hmm. Uh, Sunday Bloody Sunday was like their first substantial hit. That okay. and New Year's Day, which was also on that album, mm-hmm. um, and this is like the the one song that they like. The earliest song I would say that they like continuously play at every show because it's a big crowd favorite. But if you were to if you were to look at if you were to look up online, go to YouTube and and look at most uh, most iconic drum openings. Mm-hmm. Th- Sunday Bloody Sunday, I guarantee is on there because that's kind of one of those. Just, like, you hit it and everyone knows exactly what song you're playing. Okay. You'll have to take my word for it.
1: I'll I'll take your word for it. (laughs) Considering the fact that I, when I first heard the drum intro, I was like, oh, drums.
0: And I think that it's a great showcase for a normally reserved Larry Mullen Jr. Mm -hmm. He is normally the ultimate support player he is like he he is never plays more than what he needs but this is kind of like the one song that they were just like just go for it larry mm-hmm. and he and he just lays it down mm-hmm. um like there's a lot of songs where it's just like he's literally just playing the simplest thing over and over again but right. like he he's one of the most egoless super talented drummers because there's the there's a there's songs where he'll kind of let it out a little bit and you realize how good he is Mm -hmm. he's not playing simple because that's as good as he can do right he's doing it because he he wants
1: to serve the song exactly and that's that's the greatest thing a musician can do Mm -hmm. you know which
0: completely Mm. unselfish drummer
1: right yeah
0: incredibly solid right but sunday bloody sunday is kind of his uh He's got another really iconic drum intro with uh, "Bullet in the Blue Sky." You'll have to mm-hmm. check
1: that one out as well. I am surprised that the next song is not one that you had mentioned as an iconic drum solo.
0: Well, just because... as far as as far as the drums being the only thing that's playing. Oh, okay,
1: gotcha. Yeah, no. Um, we should should we move on? Yeah. Let's All right. Go ahead. So let's go ahead. Uh, the next song is "Pride." in parentheses in the name of love oh yeah um, which is when I heard this I really liked the, the drum beat because it was <laughs> different than just bum 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 mm-hmm. bum you know it kind of had a little bit of variation it hits that tom every like second in, and that <laughs> open
0: high-hat boom yeah yeah mm-hmm.
1: and it, it added a little bit of different groove than just kind of like the bouncy like mm-hmm. arena rock feel which is good but yeah, there was some variation and I like that.
0: I think that this song has the edge's best riff. Ever. I
1: think this is probably the best song of the
0: six. And that drum that yeah, that drum fell. Oh man, when that when that drops that that sends chill. I got chills down just thinking about it.
1: And um the and the vocal melody is also kind of uh, kind of the same as as the other two. Well, at least in the in um uh, oh gosh, man, I'm stumbling all over my words. Uh where the streets have no name. Mhm. Uh because the uh, both of those songs he will kind of go up to the 5th he they'll jump up to the fifth note which I, I hate to use music theory on this podcast. No, but, actually that's um, that's
0: something I want you to do okay my music okay. theory is is okay,
1: but I can't pull it out of But trouble. but Anyway, he'll jump up to the fifth for the vocal melody, and it sounds great. And that's the same thing we were talking about last time with Tool, with Vicarious. Mm-hmm. And the last chorus, he'll jump up to the fifth and then mm-hmm. kind of descend from there. He does the same thing in, *Pride in the name of love, you know, in the name of love. Same thing.
0: Yeah. Um, oh,
1: man, what a chorus. It is a good chorus. What a freaking chorus. It's awesome. It's awesome. This is This is a legitimately good song.
0: Yeah, there's uh there's some behind the scenes footage of him in the studio putting down that chorus and like he literally wouldn't stop singing it. And he like blew his voice out and he just <laughs> kept he kept going for it. And that just again shows just like he is so passionate about, about getting the mm-hmm. right punch on it.
1: He's he's a real artist.
0: Now what do you think the song's about? No idea. <laughs> because
1: <laughs> what do you think they mean by in the name of love. In the name of love. What, well, do, you, what do you think he's... They're Irish. To? He's religious. It's probably got something to do with the war. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh,
0: it's about... Um, it's about the people that were killed for um, peaceful protesting. Okay. Uh, the, a very specific example in the third verse being Martin Luther King. He's early mm. morning, April 4th, shot rings out in the Memphis sky. That's where Martin Luther King was killed, and that's the date that it happened on. Huh. And so, okay, it's that's that's like a, so they're taught, and he also he does mention Jesus as well. One man betrayed with a kiss, you know, he's someone that uh, that that uh, you know died on the cross in the name of love, love for the world, and gotcha. So he's just you know, one man on a barbed wire fence, one man he resists. It's about people that are resisting. The evil powers in the name of love. People that are not, you know, resorting to violence and, okay. and you know, trying to start a violent revolution. but well, that's
1: actually really, like,
0: wholesome. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's a lot of people use this song in reference of just like, you know, more just like romantic love. But it's mm-hmm. more about, you know, brotherly altruistic love. You know, yeah
1: love love i'm starting to sense a little bit of a theme yeah but okay so. it's a good theme oh yeah no bands should have themes like that mm-hmm. uh, uh great yeah. great guitar break it in is. that song mm-hmm. and
0: i love uh i love that the i love the way that this uh that the song resolves itself mm-hmm. i think that it marks for a great end for the first half of the set, uh-huh. and kind of you know, it's like that was like that last chorus is the is the the culmination of what the first half builds to and allows us to kind of bring things down a little mm-hmm. bit because it's like you have a high at the end of listening to that song if yeah. you're listening to it fully right invested. And it's just like, okay, now we can we can start taking something in a bit of a different direction
1: right. with. Uh, with or without you. With with or without you, which I've heard of. And th- I would I would say this is their
0: most popular song, next to Where the Streets Have No Name. Okay. This is like the this is like the, yeah, I I, would agree the biggest
1: U two song. I would agree with that. Which I thought Vertigo was one, but that's just a early guitar player song. Yeah. I had to learn that in guitar school. But- I
0: mean, if had that song been older probably would have it's just it's mm-hmm. so new that came out in like oh four. wow that's off the okay. like, how to dismantle atomic bombs
1: <laughs> <laughs> I that's oh my gosh yeah huh that's weird because I, I it's coming back to me now mm-hmm. when I first learned that song yeah um, but anyway um, this is one of the songs that I remember my dad saying like oh this is such a bad song I don't really like it God, and this is when, when it when it Came on, you know, and there was kind of like that guitar, like, feedback intro. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then there's the little piano thing, and it kind of reminded me of the Michael's, um, oh, commercial in the office when he makes, like, the really um, – <laughs> Uh, sappy commercial like, yep I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about paper uh, limitless paper for a paperless world yeah it, it reminded me of that for some reason probably because it's got like similar music behind it but um I it was another one kind of like where the streets have no name where I wanted it to just start and it it just it it did it did it certainly did but it's it's not it took a while it's not your normal
0: Song structure. Mm-hmm. This actually has my favorite type of song structure, which is the slow burn, the crescendo, where instead of the song doing this, the song is just one. He just crack. made a
1: roller coaster with his hands, by the way.
0: Yeah, because they can't see oh, yeah, that. yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Instead of up and down, yeah. up and down, peaks and valleys, where you know gets big, then it goes down, then it gets big, or it's or it's just the same. Really, because I time. love that but my favorite is just the is the gradual It's the go. constant. Up. Uh-huh. And, and no ups and downs. And you get okay. and man when he comes in with that big yell at the end. Mm-hmm. That's to me that's the ultimate U2 moment. That's like uh, Okay. Like that's what the the whole song is building to that moment. And the song is just—it's constantly getting bigger. They're adding more layers. That's why they I are. love that song structure. Is just like to see how are they moving the song forward. It's mm-hmm. why one is my favorite Metallica
1: song because it's nothing but. This. Okay, but but it it does a little up and down because you know that hold oh, my breath it, right. That's the li- that's up there. But it's you know? not that. Bit, but it's not that. Down. It's not that heavy though. It's not heavy, but it it changes. But the... but here's the thing though. Okay.
0: It it does. It does continue to build. Yes, there's sections yeah. where it'll maybe do this, but then it never goes back he, he, down. He made a plateau
1: and then a, and then a backup. Thank you. <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, like With or Without You, that's just – that's the whole song is just – I mean, and then it kind of goes down right at the end. But then it kind of mm-hmm. starts to pick it does. up a little yeah. bit. But like when that drum – the drum beat comes in, the doom. And the guitar, and he starts singing higher. It's just like you feel the song is just building all this tension, 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 and then it just releases on that incredible chorus. Like, yeah, okay, okay, okay. I don't know. I, just, I love songs that do that. Okay. Because it's, first off, it's different. It's not your normal verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Mm. It's It does something. Different. It's, and it's another thing that worship songs have borrowed heavily from. Oh, yeah.
1: That's for sure. The start
0: low and then build up to the big chorus at the end. Oh, my gosh.
1: Every every time I was on the worship band at my school, you know, Mm because private Christian school, right? But I'd be on the djembe and, you know, every time, first verse, don't play anything because we want to build up to it, you know? Yep. But it, yeah. No, for sure. That's something that they borrowed from. Yeah, it's it, it. I do like that structure as well Because it, it does Back to Vicarious We just talked about it two hours ago So it's still on my mind But um, it does that same thing where it builds up And then you'll release it at the final chorus And here we go again With um, oh, With or without you And it builds up and releases to the final chorus mm-hmm. It's great, it works Everybody uses it, it's on Stairway to Heaven It's on Freebird, it's mm-hmm. on Name any really big, you know, rock ballad hit. Mm-hmm. It does that.
0: Yeah, but yeah, I just I think that that was that's that's peak U two. I mm-hmm. think that that um, that song is really what what put U two at the top when they did that and Streets Have No Name." Mm-hmm. Kind of those two together just really catapulted them to that stardom level. Yep, And so we have this We have this big moment Right And um, Going into the next song Which is actually my favorite U2 song
1: Oh my gosh Because this one Every time I brought up the playlist I forgot like half of this song Yeah Yeah And um It's coming back to me right now But um it's got an unfortunate name because it shares one with a very particular Metallica song that we just talked about. Yeah, uh, one. Well, I mean,
0: one is a <laughs> one is a fairly common.
1: It's a fa- it's a common word. I yeah, get it. I get it.
0: And I feel like I actually feel like one is more applicable title to this song than it was to the Metallica song.
1: Oh, for sure, because it's got nothing to do with the Metallica song.
0: I mean, it but, does, but very little.
1: Very but, little. Just just one little vocal line and. Mm-hmm. and the idea of solitude but um compared to this one yes uh and i know you're going to ask me what i think the lyrics are probably he wants everyone to just get along and love each other
0: <laughs> in this Best one guess. in this one it is about you know a man and a woman
1: oh my gosh
0: <laughs> wow okay but it it's it it's so much more than um than just I love you, you love me, we're a happy family. family. <laughs> yeah. you know he's yeah. he's getting so deep. This is my favorite u two lyric mm-hmm. the whole all the lyrics throughout this song. Mm-hmm. I think the idea of you know, have you come here to play Jesus to the lepers in your head? What a great line!
1: It was. That one's really cryptic. Like,
0: again, another another swing for the fences that, in my opinion, works. Yeah, because he is using a lot of religious symbol. Just it was saying a, that that,
1: was, that is a lot of imagery.
0: Saying that when a man and a woman truly come together, it is a spiritual bond. It's not mm-hmm. just you know emotion or physicality that they're that you. That the two become one. Mm -hmm. And just talking about how, you know, when you become one, yes, you also inherit all of each other's weaknesses, all of your baggage, all of your past hurts. Um, And about how sometimes love is really crappy Mm -hmm. because you do crappy things to each other. Mm -hmm. You know, you ask me to enter, but then you make me crawl. But Mm -hmm. we're still one. We're one blood. We're one life. Um one life we get to share it. You know, it's it's still just like I can't keep holding on to what you've got when all you've got is hurt, but we're still one.
1: Hold on to what we got.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And um So I just I think that this is such an incredible song. And my dad used to tell me that this was the greatest pop song ever written. Mmm I don't know. It's mm. it's close to
1: me. Mm. I I can't think of what would be one, so by default, he's correct.
0: Yeah, I think that just mm. this is this is just so well played. It's so restrained from everyone else. It really lets Bono kind of be the vehicle of this song. Right there's there's not really many instrumental breaks in the song. It's just kind of you know, it it lets Bono have the space to say what he needs to say. Yeah, and I think just everything he's saying through this song is so great. the The vocal melody is so great in this song,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and this is the song that really saved the band. Really, because this is from the Octung Baby record, and after Rattle and Hum was, I mean, it didn't bomb, but a lot of compared to Joshua compared Tree, to Joshua yeah. Tree, and the critics were around. critics were not kind to it. Mm-hmm. Didn't sell as well. And, um, because a a lot of what their previous albums were doing was unearthing American music. Yeah. And they were just like, well, okay, we've now exhausted, especially with Rattle and Hum, that was kind of really leaning into, like, um, blues and old time folk and country music and Mm -hmm. just kind of exploring, like, American roots music, Mm -hmm. gospel, things like that. Mm -hmm. And they were like, okay, we can't, we can't explore American music anymore. We need to turn to another inspiration. Okay. That's when they went to Berlin, which is Achtung, is a German word. Wow. And came out pretty soon after the Berlin Wall was taken down.
1: Achtung means? Attention. Attention.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So Achtung was always a um, a word associated with fear in oh. communist Germany. Okay. Because it means attention, you know... You the the Soviets are coming. Okay. Kind of just like you know they're on patrol. You better make sure that you're complying to all of the Soviet rules mm. and you know it was always a a feel a word of dread and so they're Spoke,
1: spoken by the residents. No. To each other no, or by like loudspeakers. By, by the loudspeakers. By the loudspeakers. Wow. So there'd be these guys wow. going
0: Ok-tongue.
1: Wow. wow. Oh my
0: gosh. And so. Um, Man, okay. And so, what U two is trying to do is they're trying to take the um, they're trying to take the piss out of it, mm-hmm. out of the word, and say octung baby, <laughs> and just kind of saying just like there's a, you know, there's a. I, I, I want to make sure I get this movie right. I think it's something Mel Brooks
1: did that really does not narrow it down. <laughs> I know.
0: Uh, but there's a there's a scene where it's like it's this musical and they they keep having Hitler, the guy that's playing Hitler use the word baby and they're like the Führer doesn't say baby. <laughs> and just cuz it's it's such a the uh, disarming word and mm-hmm. so that's kind of where they pulled that from was just like what if we took this word that used to be so associated with fear and controlling Populace and put it with such a disarming word mm-hmm. to kind of say, you know, that this is this is the state that we're now in post the Cold War, right? And they really pulled from the the German techno. We're coming back around to Kraftwerk here. Wow, there's a lot of German electronic influence in uh, mm-hmm. in this album. Brian Eno uh, was their producer, and he did. David Bowie's German trilogy mm-hmm. and was kind of a leader in that era, right? And just really reinvented themselves. And one was the song in their songwriting process that sparked the flame for them to go, "Okay, we can we can make this album." Because they were struggling when they were first writing this album and decided we're really contemplating quitting. Wow. And so when they, when they finally got one, which was actually uh, originally supposed to be a bridge to another song on the album, hmm. that chord progression was. It was for a song called Mysterious Ways, which is another great song off that album. Okay. Uh, they wrote the bridge to that and loved it so much that they were like, let's, let's actually not use this as the bridge. Let's keep this as its own song. And that's when what became one. hmm and ended up being the biggest hit off that album. Wow. Okay.
1: That's a story. Yeah, I, I talked I talk for no, a while. No, so. that was good. That was good. That was a lot of information that I now know, didn't know I needed to know. Mm-hmm. But I will now regurgitate to everyone I know. That's the point.
0: Uh, <laughs> that's, that's the goal.
1: Yeah. Um, so... So we end with
0: we end one on this. It's kind of like a triumphant note. It kind of like well, it's yeah. Like okay. it's 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 almost it's it's almost like a bittersweet victory. It's it's
1: a quiet victory.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because he's got that falsetto cry in in the background.
1: Not like a yeah, we blew up the Death Star victory, but
0: just kind no, of like a, just kind of like it's like a mm. it's love, but at the same time it's a painful love. Yeah. So it's just like it could be crying, it could be. Just like um, you know, joy. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of up to interpretation, and so we come to the last song, Walk On. Walk On. This is gonna this is my unobvious choice for the set because all the other ones are huge hits from them.
1: From all that you can't leave behind. Yep. The really weird. One and of that, the really weird and album. And that lines.
0: line is in this song. Okay. Mhm. Explain that. So <laughs> this whole song is just about leaving behind
1: Mm -hmm.
0: all of your crap, all of the things that are holding you back. Walk on.
1: Which is kind of like the uh, song you put at the end of The Killers. Mm -hmm. Kind of.
0: This is is a – so the reason why – the inspiration I got for this was uh, a good friend of mine. I was watching a U2 concert with him. Right. And it was on tour for the All You Can't Leave Behind Mm -hmm. record, and so they were pretty heavily – playing songs from that album and um we got to the end of the main set and matt looked at me and said okay there's four songs what have they not played and i said okay it's they haven't done both the blue sky they haven't done with or without you they haven't done one and i'm going to be really weird and say that i think they're going to end with walk on Mm." And that
1: was and the then, exact
0: order oh, that those went in.
1: Woo! Wow. <laughs> and it was actually at
0: that point that I had the epiphany that I was like, maybe I should make my own set lists. Yeah. And here we are. And here we are. But if you'll notice, I borrowed three of those songs from that four-set encore. Obviously not using both Blue Sky, but With or Without You, One, Walk mm-hmm. On. The inspiration mm-hmm. I got for that ordering was from seeing that concert and seeing how well that worked. Because to me, Walk On is like you know that's like the the uplifting song to that is great to end a set with mm-hmm. and so that was kind of why i picked it for there but yeah the whole song's just about you know how he says um you know all that you treasure all that you oh. give all that you bend and all you break
1: sounded so much like um eclipse. Yeah,
0: that's the, I think they're intentionally pulling inspiration from that. But then yeah. they say all oh, that you can't leave behind. Mhm. Saying that, you know, take what you can Oh leave, yeah. Take what, I remember
1: I remember that. Now. Take what you, you. can't yeah. leave
0: behind, but everything else leave it because it's not going to help you. Mhm. I know I know that it aches that your heart it breaks, but you can only take so much. Mhm. And if your glass heart should break and for one second you turn back Oh, be strong. Walk on.
1: Da-da-da. Wow. Well,
0: and also, what a great guitar line in this song. When that when, when the when the full <laughs> band comes mm-hmm. in. And I also really love the guitar solo on this song. Mm-hmm. He has some great, tasty lines. Mm-hmm. But this is definitely, a, I would say, more than any other song in the set where you really see Bono kind of straining for the notes. But in a way that really yeah. enhances yeah. the mood of the song. And this is kind of a cheese ball song, but I still really like it because of that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it is. And and we talked about that at the beginning that U2 is major cheese balls.
0: Yeah. Just with, And it it is. With them it works. Not all the time, but a lot of time it does. And I think it really works on this song. This is this is I think maybe the biggest dark horse in their career.
1: Mhm. Um, um Yeah. It was a good ending, Con- considering the fact that, to me, it was a mental callback to the ending of Dark Side of the Moon. Mm-hmm. And I just, every time I went through this set, that's all I thought about. It was like, this is the end. Because that's what I just, think about, too. All that you, all that you, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But they also use a lot of words that you're not expecting them
1: to say. They're, yeah, like, they don't- you're expecting them to go through the, kind of the same... Mm-hmm. Lyrics, because, you know, or at least I am, because I've heard that song. Yeah, and I think that that's time.
0: intentional. I think that they're kind of, they're they're thinking that that's what the lyrics, the trend is going to follow, and, and it, then now it's going to... Yep,
1: it follows the same kind of melody and rhythm to it, and yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's almost piracy if you think about it.
0: Well, you know it's
1: it sense, I mean, like that, that, it's, that it's that con- dangerously close.
0: That con. I mean, they didn't use any of the same. They words. didn't use any
1: of the same words except for "all that you." Uh-huh. And, and, and I mean, that's they didn't use the of, same.
0: Tons of people use that. That's, a lot of people use that's that's that. That's a, that's a con. I don't think Pink Floyd was, not, was the first It's one not. To
1: use it. It's not. I'm not saying it's legal piracy, but I mean, it's almost to the point where they I, they definitely got that idea from. Me. I think it's homage. Okay.
0: And I think that it's it's the right kind of homage. Because yeah. they're they're using something that they know the listener is going to recognize, or homage
1: as the rest of us pronounce it. Oh,
0: gosh. <laughs> that's the correct way. to. Think. Okay. So. <laughs> so yeah, that's our set.
1: That's the whole set.
0: Yep. So uh, we'll uh, we'll take a small break, but when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about the bonus song and then put together our final thoughts. So.
1: Welcome back to the Good Music Podcast. We just finished going through our set of U2, and we're going to talk about the bonus song and final thoughts. Yes. So, um, bonus song first? Yeah. Bonus song Let's first. Do it. So, that would be I Predict a Riot by Kaiser Chiefs. Yep, the Kaiser, Kaiser Chiefs. Chiefs. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, this one, after the last two songs of the set, was. Actually, kind of a change. I mean, if you think about it, because it's pretty high energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was kind of a basic, like, pop, punk kind of, I don't know how to describe it, until it got to the chorus. When it got to the chorus, I, I actually liked this song when it got to the chorus. Yeah. Because it, it had a weird key change, mm-hmm. and I love that. Yeah. And a, and a different rhythm to the chorus. You know, it's like, I predict a riot, I predict a riot. And it, mm-hmm. it at At different points in the uh, measure, it would start the vocal line. Yeah. And I I like that. I wouldn't say I love the song overall, but I really love that part.
0: Yeah. So the reason I picked this band is the connection is that um, on that 360 tour, they Mm -hmm. had Kaiser Chiefs as an opening act. So
1: There you go. There's the connection.
0: And there's there's a kind of similar sound, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: okay. A little bit (laughs) in the vocals. Um, They seem a lot more modern.
0: Yeah, that well, that came out in like I want to say that was like early two thousands when that song came out. It, it
1: kind of sounds like I don't I don't want to say this, but it kind of sounds like Panic at the Disco in a
0: way. It's kind of the same era. Yeah. Okay. Or at least that early early Panic in the Disco. Yeah. Um, they were kind of like contemporaries with like the Strokes and the White Stripes and that garage rock movement. Okay. Um, and of course, punk was really big at that time the punk revival but this is a song that has a really funny history in my high school days
1: oh oh no (laughs) so back in time uh, yeah so
0: whenever i was in p.e class in high school i had my group of friends and we used to uh they would have music playing in the gym while we were working out and this was one of my songs and and for some reason, we, we had no idea what the song was, mm-hmm. but we, instead of I predict a riot, we thought that the core was saying, I have Tourette's. <laughs> <laughs> what? And so every time the song came on, we would all stop what we were doing, and we would start singing along to it and dancing. It
1: doesn't even sound like that. And we it would, doesn't.
0: And I think the only reason we did it is because someone in the class said that's what it was and would sing that over the line. And so we are just like, oh, okay. <laughs> so we would go, I have two of I have two and we would just dance along to it. And
1: it was oh, wow. it was a
0: great time, and then I actually came across the the actual song by accident, and I was just like, "Oh, they're saying I predict a riot."
1: Yeah, <laughs>
0: but like I would say, for two years we did that, mm. and it would it would play in the gym about twice a week, <laughs> like catching us at the time that we were actually there. And if we were working out – and we had a great PE teacher because he would let us do this because he just thought we were all – because we this was the PE class of all the – Oh, the PE teacher
1: is always the best. The,
0: this was the PE class of all the nerds that didn't play sports. Oh,
1: that and was so a fun these, class. These were, all, <laughs> these
0: were all the musicians. These were all of the, the geeks, mm-hmm. the gamers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so we were all the scrawny kids that you know, didn't
1: <laughs> – Right, didn't work out. Yeah. Well.
0: We were all either uh, – Anyway, so we were, uh, I was going to say something I decided not to. Um, we, uh, like, literally would just be weightlifting. We'd hear the song, and go, it's time! And we'd, like, all get in a circle, uh, uh. and we would, like, put our arms near, I the rest. <laughs> And, yeah, we were, we were interesting, but that's, that's <laughs> always the memory I will have. That's,
1: that's gotta be a on. scene from, like, a movie somewhere. Yeah. From like a Ferris Bueller's Day Off style, mm-hmm.
0: but then I but then when I found the song and of course I bought it on iTunes because just to show and it's just like guys, I because we never could find it because we didn't know who it was yeah. by. Yeah. We obviously had the name of the song wrong, and so we were all just like, we need to find out what this song yeah, is. We don't, we don't. You know. can't exactly
1: look up "I Have Tourette's" and get the right answer. So. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and so I found it by accident, just like um, I, I found it on Rock Band. As a downloadable wow. song, and I heard the preview of it, and I was just like, "Wait a minute!" And it was a course. That's it. Wow. And so uh, once I bought it and actually listened, I was just like, "Oh, I actually like this itself as a song as well." Mm-hmm. Um, I think that um, it's got a, a cool, like almost like a, almost like a James Bond sound to it. Okay, I can see it. And of course, I like the la 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 la, la, la. it gets it's catchy. It's okay. It's okay. But yeah. So that's that's. I, I like the chorus. That's that's my history with this song. And so that's when I when I history. when I was looking <laughs> when I was I was looking through different supporting acts for You 2 and I saw I was just like, okay, yeah, I got to do this song because this will be this will make for a cool story.
1: <laughs> there you go. There's the explanation to that one. Um, anyway, so. I guess we're on to final thoughts then. Yeah. So nothing else about the So tell me how you feel about you 2 now. Um, well, before I was indifferent. And now I have a reason behind my thinking of I don't like you 2 I, I know you're looking... He just gave me a death stare for about half a second. But um, they have good songs. They certainly have good songs. I actually like Pride in the Name of Love. I really kind of like this, Where the Streets Have No Name. But... Overall, these songs, like, they kind of fell flat in some places where I felt like they shouldn't have. Um, I don't know if I would have written them differently. But, you know, being a musician. But at the same time, I don't know if I would have written them in the first place. I don't want to insult the songs in that way. Yeah. But that's just not my writing style. Mm-hmm. And that could probably be one of a million things that play into the reason why I don't like doing the... Wow, you're doing the picking no, I'm, I just, technique. No, I've, I've, I've
0: got a penny in my hand, so I'm just tossing it around. Oh,
1: okay, <laughs> I thought you were doing the picking technique. No, but that could be one of a million things that play into why I don't like you two. Um, yeah.
0: Well, at least you can make an informed decision about it now.
1: I like some of their songs. I like but, some of their and
0: songs. And honestly, we'll probably we'll probably come back to you two. So maybe the next batch of songs you'll have maybe more the next ones to. will be
1: more. I mean, this is experimental, this experimental, I don't know. This
0: is, yeah, because I mean, I'll, whenever we return to artists, whenever we do volume mm-hmm. twos, we're definitely going to start to steer more out of, you know, the intro songs and start going, okay, let's, let's yeah. start digging deeper a little bit.
1: Okay, I'll be excited for that
0: then. Yeah.
1: I'll, I'll be looking forward to that. Because if Where the Streets Have No Name and Pride in the Name of Love are any indication of what their best stuff can be, then I'm, I'm excited for their best stuff. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, so that's my final thoughts. I guess you already like U2. You've always oh, liked yeah. U2. I love U2. Um, yeah. Um,
0: listening to them a lot in preparation for this was really fun. Um, I revisited a lot of albums I hadn't listened to in quite a while. Um, okay. Particularly listening to um, All That You Can't Leave Behind and How to Smell an Atomic Bomb. Yeah. Those are... <laughs> Those al- those albums just bring me back to my middle school days, mm-hmm. and so I really, really love those. Like I was, I was the song would come on, I was just like, oh, I forgot about this. <laughs> this is a great song. Yeah. Um, and so I, uh, it was really fun to kind of uh, work with with this. Right. This U2 is just one of those bands that really shows my love for pop music. Because they're really so far removed from progressive or heavy metal, which are two of the areas that I tend to live in a little bit more and so this is just kind of like the area where I can kind of just go and just listen to simple great pop music
1: that's true I mean it is it at the core it is pop
0: mm-hmm so um we'll 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 come back to them another episode mm-hmm. and 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 take a different perspective mm-hmm. so uh Hopefully you'll be into that. But, yeah, so that's our episode. Um, I forgot to do this at the top, but uh, please leave us a comment on, and subscribe. If you like what you're listening to, please share it with whoever you think might be into this kind of thing. Uh, we have a Facebook page. We want to get some uh, some conversations going, so please go check us out there. And we want to, hopefully maybe by next episode, start getting some comments up on to our episodes to to kind of see what you guys are saying and what you guys are thinking. And um, in the description for the episode, we have a link to the Spotify playlist with all these songs, as well as a link to uh, send us some money, so that way we can uh, start Eat. to... Yeah, well, that's for him, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he's a poor college student. Yep. Um, but just so we can upgrade our equipment, um, be able to up our research, as yeah. well as maybe introduce some new uh, channels to this podcast so that'd be cool
1: yeah that'd be awesome
0: so um we've got another episode coming to you next week 9 a.m central and uh we're going back in time to one of the
1: uh juggernauts a really good band don't want to miss it yeah i actually i don't like you two i love this band so yeah um,
0: you're gonna want to you're gonna want to stick around next week to see what we're going to talk about so um yeah That's it for me. I'm Lucas. I'm Grant. Keep on listening to good music.